Vincent Sabonis, two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and today we are joined by samson folk to get a toronto raptors perspective um, the best one out there samson <laughs> what's going on man how you doing uh not too much i did some basketball playing today before i did some basketball reacting to the beal trade and now i'm doing some basketball podcasting all the good stuff i think been good so far yeah days of basketball it's yeah. relatable that's um, right and the big news that dropped today is Bradley Beal getting moved to Phoenix for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, multiple second round picks. Don't exactly know what that means. And pick swaps. Uh, I haven't seen clarity on that. I don't know if you have. Um, what do you think of this deal? You tweeted that you thought that was ne- not enough. That kind of blew my mind. I understand. And so people responded to my tweet. It's like, well, I think the no trade clause played it you know a factor i was like yeah i know i'm saying like it's couched you know i'm saying wow this isn't a lot even though he makes a lot of money and even though there is a trade kicker and a no trade clause but i was like damn Shamit, a perhaps soon to be waived chris paul and second round picks are you insane that like that blew my mind because bradley beal i think is an incredibly well-suited player to play off of stars He's tremendous, like, you know, attacking the top foot on closeouts. He can make shots in the mid-range. He can get all the way to the rim. He can give you, at that point in time, like elite, elite, elite second side creation. And he shoots to space the floor. Of course, it's been a little bit more up and down. He had like a 30% year a couple years ago, but he shoots it. And he just seems like a guy who will fit in tremendously well and have like a little bit of a renaissance. And not to mention he shot like 50% from the field last year. And that guy is Shamit soon to be waived Chris Paul in second round picks that blows my mind I mean defense you know obviously something hopefully he plays better defense than he has been but like god that's nuts to me crazy their, their offense is going to be ridiculous between yeah. Booker KD Beal the amount of mid-range shots that are going to go down at a decent rate is going to be hilarious everybody but DeMar DeRozan is going to shoot more mid-range shots than um than those guys and yeah I mean I agree with you. It's really not much to get a talent like that. I know three-point shooting doesn't look great, but the catch-and-shoot three-point numbers are fine. I think that he's fine when it comes to spacing the floor. I don't really see why people have concerns with that, Um, just seeing that kind of floated around. But they're going to be ridiculously good on offense. they got to figure out the rest, Mm -hmm. but this is an appealing spot for people to go to, I think. And they have a couple free agent guys that they could think of bringing back. I'm thinking of uh, Terrence Ross and – a couple in there that I can't think off the top of my mind. Corey but Craig is one of them. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, guys. Um, and it'll be about kind of how they fill out the rest. But we've started. We but we've started trade season. We got a couple days of yeah. until the draft, and there there's no no downtime between end of the season and straight into all off season talk. And part of that includes Sacramento getting their name thrown into some things. Um, we saw OG Ananobi being reported as somebody they're aggressively chasing. And we've heard a lot of smoke around OG for a little while. And and this is kind of why I wanted to have you on and start by getting your perspective on 
just OG as a player and, and the stage in his career that he's at, how you've seen him grow and develop and might be pretty basic from your standpoint, but I think a lot of people who watch Sacramento uh, don't have a great perspective of OG. It's just, you don't end up watching as many East coast games and um, yeah. So l- let's get a little bit of background on OG six years in the league. He was drafted 23rd in 2017 in Sacramento. There's some guys that people wanted some people within SAC that wanted OG to be taken there. When SAC had picked 10, they traded for 15 and 20. Um, I know some people, Bryant West, buddy of mine, that was really pushing for OG at 20. Didn't end up happening, obviously. Um, but last year, all defensive second team for OG, led the league in steals, always been a great stocks guy. Um, he played 67 games last year, 16.8 points, five boards, two assists, those 1.9 league leading steals, 0.7 blocks. 47% from the field, 38.7% from three on five and a half a game, and 83.8% from the free throw line on 25.6 a game. Uh, so my question to you to start, Samson, after rambling off basic numbers, is when did you see OG take this jump in his game to being more than just a role player? Because you look at the basic counting stats, it looks like there's that jump right after um, the chip and then Kawhi leaves. And in my mind, that means a bigger role, but is that kind of as simple as it was? Yeah, I, I do think it is mostly related to that. The biggest attempt he, the most successful attempt he ever had at, you know, kind of including self-creation into that would be at the back end of the 2020, 21 season, the Tampa season. And he had a, you know, a very strong stretch of games where he kept up because he had always had tremendous efficiency hanging around 60% true shooting as a guy who defends at, at that point in time, still, you know, in all NBA level, I know he only got the, you know, the accolade this season, but he had a nice stretch where he was hitting a little bit pull up on the pull up three. He was getting to the rim and making all the shots there. And he wasn't having some of the, you know, coordination losses as far as like losing the ball when he's, you know, attacking with a live dribble and stuff like that. And he's always made pretty good downhill reads as far as like out to the corner and lay downs. Um, if I can ask you something, I heard paper flipping. You write the notes. You're not like a Google I, Docs guy. I very much write notes. I get a lot of crap. I like am at games and pull out different color pens and everything. I write notes. It's just I have a horrible memory and I swear that this is talking about it, writing it down with a pen, typing it out is how I can actually remember all these things. So yes, paper is flipping in every episode. I'll tell you something that surprises a lot of people because I had to do a reaction podcast after every game. I take no notes during the game. Really? None. (laughs) Just (laughs) vibes. And so maybe maybe I'm just lying to the people. But OG, basically, uh, I'll excite some Sacramento fans. There's like where there's smoke, there is fire. OG, I know Raptors fans have been very boisterous and loud saying like no 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 none of that's true golden boy loves it in toronto og has been frustrated with his role the stagnation of his role and also a little bit like the stagnation of his game he's had possessions he's had stretches where he's been given opportunities and he has voiced to you know the front office and to his team and everything like that his agent etc that he wants more and so some of that manifests into, well, are we looking for a place elsewhere for a guy who has a deal looming, you know, like a, an extension looming? This stuff really matters. Teams always want to maximize having guys under a certain amount of contracts 
OG not getting traded at the deadline this year, I think means that he's probably, I don't know if it's going to be an extension, but I do think he probably stays with the Raptors until then. But if you're a Kings fan and you're like, does this guy even want to leave? I think that um, the things could fall in order for OG Ananobi to no longer be in Toronto, even if I don't think it's super likely. Just as an aside. Oh, totally. I was going to definitely get to that point. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Like, the idea of of him leaving obviously there's a lot of toronto fans that are constantly in mention saying why in the world would he want to leave but I, I think the what you laid out with contract situations maybe getting to expand his game a little bit more but i, I think sometimes there's some players you can hear that from and you know kind of roll your eyes like i don't know if this guy deserves more but from sure. your perspective of having seen it like what is your response to to hearing that so as, as I mentioned, OG had a super promising initial jump when he got a lot of possessions at the end of the Tampa season when Pascal had a torn labrum, was out for the rest of the season, when Kyle Lowry wasn't playing that much, when it was guys like, you know, Freddie and guys like Fred and guys. It's just Yuta Watanabe was playing a ton of minutes. DeAndre Bembry was playing a ton of minutes. OG got possessions and that he hasn't really replicated that he was strong to start the 2021-22 season when Pascal was out but a lot of that stuff is it kind of correlates with his pull-up numbers and his pull-up numbers for the first few years of his career it went from being like 40% 20% 40% 20% and none of it on high volume and he also has had a lot of trouble when there are multiple bodies in an action at navigating when he's in isolation, he can get to spots, even though I'm sure Sacramento fans and Raptors fans are aware of how bad OG's isolation numbers are. But if you want him to create something and get kind of deep, he can do that in isolation. If you want him to run second side pick and roll and make reads and stuff like that, I just don't think he's shown it. And he's turned the ball over a little bit more. The passing numbers, not only... On film, do I find that he's not making like a ton of different reads? He's making the same simplistic reads for the most part, which is good, but it's not expansive. And the numbers are also kind of tailing off in that regard as well. So after having probably four or five stretches over the past couple of seasons where he's been given a decent amount of possessions where you say, OK, you're the guy with the ball at the top of the shot clock. You get to try and create something. There's a lot of passivity there. There's a lot of um, inability to create there, and there's just a lack of options. So the extremely strong finish he had to finish the season was mostly as a spacer, cutter, and finisher, and that's always where he's been his strongest. He can give you, you know, like he had a great playoff game where he created off the bounce against Philadelphia, hit a couple pull-up threes, but for the most part, I don't think it's something you you expect. I don't think it's something you bet the farm on. and a guy who finishes everything at the rim, who hits his threes, who cuts really well, and is an all-NBA defender is already fantastic. So whether he makes the leap or not, which I don't think he will, uh, he's still really good. That's I'm with you. Feel. And yeah. and let's start with that baseline because there is some of those like off-the-dribble moments that make you think about a higher upside, but that baseline is is sort of what I think is the 
most appealing thing about OG in his current stage and to Sacramento specifically as somebody that as a team that runs such a free flowing offense and is really looking for play finishers, right? And having more playmaking is never a bad thing, but um, or, or shot creation to bail you out at the end of scenarios. I think we saw in the playoffs how important that is and why somebody like Malik Monk was so important for Sacramento so having good, another playmaker. You, uh, uh, StreamYard has us type in names, and I did peep that you went with Malik Dunk here. Yeah. So shout out to you for that one. Uh, but the baseline that OG has, and I think most importantly, Sacramento, obviously a great offense last year, but a lot of defensive work that is still TBD, wings forwards specifically. Um, but to start with sort of the on-ball versatility that OG has, and just from, I mean, a lot of it, has to do with his length, obviously, and athleticism. Six eight, seven two, two thirty two is what I saw. Um, great athleticism laterally, that length to go with it. Um, his most minutes he's matched up with guys throughout the league this year, and this is per NBA tracking, which has its flaws. But just to give guys an idea, sure. um, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant, Demar Derozan, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi, um, James Harden. There's Jokic thrown in here. Um, my, my question to you is how versatile do you comfortably feel with OG on ball? Like I, I would imagine that two to four more often than not feels okay. One, four, one to four. Do, okay. So I was going to ask how much of one in five is mixed in here. So I'll say that De'Aaron Fox, for example, is going to get the step on OG a lot. Um, but De'Aaron Fox gets the step on everybody. Right. There's games where you can watch OG as Trey Young as his primary, and those games are extremely tough for Trey Young on those possessions. The Raptors have had a lot of success running like a uh, just pick and roll defense with having Precious Achua as the five and OG as the guy guarding Trey on ball. He's extremely good at using his length to give guys buffers, knowing he can close the space. He is tremendous on twos and threes he can guard a lot of star ones now there's some guys who are obviously going to these are stars who are the best players on ball the five i think there's the misnomer raptors fans always think he can guard fives nobody can really guard fives the raptors when they guard Jokic, i know there's those numbers a lot of what they're doing is putting og on Jokic because he's extremely brutally strong to hold position and then hanging a guy in the gap to make sure that there are no entry passes. Typically, maybe Pascal, maybe Scotty Barnes, guys with length who can jump lob passes in. And also having OG as a hawk when the Nuggets eventually move away from the entry pass and try to initiate with Jokic above the break. There's like a seven steal game in there where he's being particularly annoying. Um, those are kind of like schematic wrinkle five matchups. Those aren't really true, you know, go to the wheelhouse with a, the, another center. That's not something he has a lot of success with. But I do think ones, a lot of the time, you're going to find OG has a ton of success guarding guys like that. Yeah. And I think that's something Sacramento could obviously use. Um, Davion Mitchell is talented in that aspect, but as we get to uh, potential trades here eventually, I think that Dave, there's a chance Davion's a part of this, but also just Davion in his current stage does not have the shooting to play alongside De'Aaron Fox. And I've come to realize that I also should probably alter alter this wording that if to include that if De'Aaron became a better shooter, that also would unlock Davion. Like sure. I, 
there's a reason why it's Davion needs to play with De'Aaron rather than vice versa, but there is a way that De'Aaron could also help Davion um, succeed more alongside him offensively. But that on-ball defense is something Sacramento desperately needs. The flexibility to be able to move him around to different matchups, I think, is really impressive um, and, and something that they lack currently. I'm sure they want to try and work Keegan into this stuff, like you see him matched up with uh, Anthony Edwards or Devin Booker, but that's really not... I mean, it didn't go great in year one, and I don't think you expect it to go great in year one, but I don't know that's somebody something he projected to do coming into the NBA necessarily anyways. Um, so having a guy like OG to do that would be really impressive. What do you think of his, when he is guarding these ones, his, um, his, his screen navigation? That's one thing where I think Davion is really impressive defensively. He's maybe not great in getting around screens. Um, where, where do you feel like OG is at with that? So if you're running, this is something the Raptors do is a lot of times they'll use Pascal to chase shooters because Pascal's really slinky and can cover a lot of ground the same way that OG does. But OG, if he's on ball, like he's not a not typically a stab step lock and trail type of guy. Um, the Raptors will ice a lot so that OG can stay in kind of like that single coverage and use his length to catch up if they do try and take the straight line drive, you know, kind of saddle them until they get to maybe 16 or 17 feet on the baseline or something like that. And then that length is super important. He steps through screens, you know, like he gets, he leads with the shoulder, he gets the arm and he pulls himself through a lot of the time. He is very impressive when doing it, but every once in a while, if there's like a really good screener on the other end, you can, you can get caught. And um, the screen navigation, as far as I won't put them on Curry, you know, if there's another Kings Warriors thing that happens with that. But um, I, would, I wouldn't have them sprinting around the court or anything like that. But as far as pick and roll possession, screen navigation, really strong because he can inform how the ball handler, because his defense is so smothering, he can inform how the ball handler takes the screen and then handle the screen at the point of contact there. But as far as being run around, like guarding a really agile one, that would be probably pretty tough, I think. Understandably. Yeah. Um, and guys. Yeah, so that's a tough ask for sure. But I think the on-ball de- uh, pick and roll getting through screens is is encouraging. And Sacramento did a lot of the same of a no-middle icing defense. Um, so NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Shots now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. Fits into that. What do you, how, how do you feel about him 
off ball comparatively? Like, do you feel like that you are not getting the most out of OG defensively if you're not assigning him to some of these on ball creators and do his work on ball? Or how do you feel about um, comparing the two there? So he's really strong above the break off ball. Like that's OG. That's where a lot of his steals come is either at the nail or the wing to point or point to wing passes. He's and God, I feel like it's probably like a nine to one ratio as far as like success versus missing something. So most guys operate closer at like two to one, three to one. If they're going for it, he just, it's like preternatural the way that he's able to do it Um, off ball. He's extremely capable as a guy who defends at the nail, like the strip, or when a guy take picks up the dribble and is on, on his last step and is looking for that bailout, the guy at the nail gets big and covers a lot of ground, and you try and get that steal. He's really great there. Weak side zone, he's pretty capable because he's long. He tracks passes well, and he can also pinch in for that secondary rim help, um, which he also is way above average for as far as wing players and um he's also like a banger around uh, the glass so not in the traditional rebounding numbers but um he can go compete for some so i think he's like that's the thing about og is he's not the best guy at being that mirror on ball he's not the he's not like paul george in 2017 with you know the thunder or 2018 off ball but he's like a facsimile of the best guys at each thing and does like a really impressive job at that. So um, he, he's very good off ball, but there's a reason that you're going to put him on the best offensive initiators and players. It's because other guys find it easier to compete off ball. So yeah, he'll be fine doing either, I'm sure. But um, you'd probably see him on a lot of guys if you were on the Kings. Yeah, especially in, in from... Sacramento's perspective and and you mentioned him being going back to some of the offense like the catch and shoot three-point shooting was 40 percent last year um, and he's he's been a good three-point shooter just statistically his finishing at the rim according to cleaning the glass was 65 percent um, I think he would get that number would look even higher in Sacramento's offense just with being able to take advantage of back cuts, his athleticism is finishing at the rim when he gets easier looks and just guys are half a second too late. I think that number would be even better. Um, I, I think offensively that he is and defensively that he's a really great fit for Sacramento. Like do, do you have a, a perspective on that of sort of how he would fit and specifically like, you know, they admittedly would kind of be looking at him as, not the only way that you get better defensively, but he's, if they were to make some sort of deal, the idea would be that he's the core piece that's changing your defense and everybody else sort of rides with him, but that he'd be the engine to that. Yeah. I think the cool thing about, I know there are in the dialogue or in the discourse, people feel like OG isn't as good as his reputation because there's a lot of hubbub about him being wanted by so many teams and having a high price. And, you know, that's the result of him having a perfectly like his game fits anywhere, really. It's a guy who shoots threes, is a willing cutter, finishes, you know, a, a high percentage of looks at the rim and defends his ass off or butt off. Um, whatever the, the case is over here. With You're the good. Cursing. Um, anything like that, the guy's just going to fit really well. As long as OG doesn't have giant designs of like, 
I need this many possessions, give me the ball doing this, all that kind of stuff to maybe lower efficiency on the offensive end. But um, Kings fans, why would why wouldn't you want that guy? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't Portland want him? Why wouldn't and like the why didn't the Nets want him? Why whoever wants OG, like you you understand it. You're not losing anything anywhere relative to other wing players unless it's a star like a an you know a, an initiator at the the point of attack so yeah i mean i loved the kings last year they malik monk i it's malik dunk because i wanted malik monk on that mle man i wanted in toronto so bad and he's so good and De'Aaron fox a lefty explosive that's i fashion myself as one of those you know he, he's great too Sabonis. I love Caitlin Cooper's work, so I became very familiar with his game um, in, in Indiana. Keegan Murray, super compelling as a rookie. They just like, even Kevin Herter, man, like what was he, like 62% true shooting or something during the regular season? It was absurd. They had everything going. They play this beautiful egalitarian offense, and then you get to stick a guy like OG in it on both sides? Yeah, of course. I'm it with makes you. sense to me. To me too. Absolutely. Final questions before we get to hypothetical packages um, is that he is on a, he has one year left before a player option. This year is going to be 18.6 million next year, 19.9 million um, expected to turn that down. Right. He, he's not right. taking that. I, I figured he could, just he could sure. tear his ACL and his Achilles and he would still probably not take that. Yeah. Right. And you, uh, you know, jokingly mentioned the injuries, but I, I do want to get your perspective Ooh. on some injuries with OG 67 games last year, but 48 in the year prior, 43 prior to that. And then you go 69, 67, 74. Um, but that is something often brought up because if you were getting OG, you would ideally want to have yes. some sort of extension agreed upon as well, where you'd be able to keep him around for a while. Um, but injury concerns lie there. So my two final points of concern to get your insight on are how do you feel? What sort of faith do you have in him remaining healthy and what sort of number do you expect him to be in the range of when free agency comes up? So I think that some of this is terrible luck. Like there's, he got poked in the eye. He's missed, I think, in his career, like 15 games from being poked in the eye. I was looking he, at it. There was eyes. There's a fractured finger that like kept yeah. getting delayed, a hip pointer. It yeah. was a bunch of random stuff. So the good news is that none of this stuff seems to be connected. And a lot of it seems to be like, you know, when you're playing pickup and you, you get a jammed finger or something like that, or somebody's hand goes somewhere, it seems to be like, just bad luck, not, you know, a, a, the slow decay of the human body, which happens to a lot of guys. There's no indication of that. But the the honest to God truth is that OG is kind of when he gets on, on offense trying to get downhill sometimes like he's he's in the messy parts of the court. He I don't know how or why is a guy who keeps getting like the little nicks and knacks and all that kind of stuff. And so there's nothing serious there. But he does seem like a guy, I feel pretty confident you're going to get over 60 games. Like if you trade for him and then he signs an extension like four years or something like that, I think over those four years, you're going to have an average of 60 games played per, um, if, if I had to guess. But uh, he's going to miss some games. The and, and to his credit, though, I know Nick Nurse, there were like floaters in the media that he thought that OG didn't play hurt, which I, I don't think is true. 
OG played with a broken hand for like 15 games last year. So um, he's a tough cookie and he's had some bad luck. I think he'll give you a decent amount of games played, but there's always something with him and it could be frustrating. But as long as you just are like, I guess a guy gets poked in the eye every once in a while, you know, you can make peace with it. Which happens, you know, Rashawn had this, uh, may have been two years ago now at this point. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it happens at times. And when he's on, as long as he's healthy for playoffs and the contribution that he's able to provide to Sacramento, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, So if, if we're getting to hypothetical trade conversation between Sacramento and Toronto here, um, and it starts with Keegan Murray not being available. Is that fine and expected on your end? So I thought that was surprising. Now, I, I don't know if um, people, there was like that report today that it was like, people are finding the Raptors front office frustrating to deal with, which is a funny report. I don't expect any front office to be easy to right. like trade with, but I will say that most fan bases overrate their players. Um, I will do my best not to be some sort of, you know, raging Homer as far as this conversation goes, but I was surprised and probably thinking in my mind, it's very tough to see a framework for the Kings to get OG without including Keegan. Like it, it, it seems tough to get there. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. What do you think it would be? I mean, if it was Keegan, then that's just the primary return we're talking about. Right. I yeah. don't know if, uh salary wise if you still have to probably throw like i mean if you can throw Rashawn in there which we're gonna have to have a conversation about Rashawn in this process but it wouldn't if keegan was involved okay so let me ask you this first from your perspective um how much what do you think of that deal from Sacramento's perspective, giving up Keegan for OG? We talked about really liking the fit, um, but do you feel like that is too short-sighted and too like all-in right now? I, I know you would be, ideally get to be able to extend OG, but obviously longer team control, you'd have optionality with Keegan. It almost, from my perspective, feels too right now. And I, I will admit it, the before Keegan's first year, I probably I'm pretty sure I had people ask me, and I'm like, yeah, of course I'd put him for OG. And I was just I changed my tune a little bit after seeing sure. that year one. Yeah, you I think the like it's all about roster construction because OG is probably, you know, in terms of impact, will keep returning like closer to, you know, a top 40, top 50 player um, just because of the defense. And, you know, maybe a really good year from three, maybe he gets closer to like top 35 in terms of, you know, the catch-alls and stuff like that. Um, There's been Raptors players who've been, you know, overrated by those in the past, though. And Keegan is by no means guaranteed to reach that. But I'm doing a piece on the 2013 Raptors and how they turned it around. And Kyle Lowry was like, you know, 15 and then 14 and then 12% of the cap as that team became really good. And so there's the roster construction stuff. There's no guarantee that Keegan will be as good as OG, but there's a guarantee that he will be very good, very easy to play with and very cheap for however many of the next years. And like, that's, I couldn't say that's a tough trade-off, but obviously if we're doing like the game where like you're Sacramento and I'm the Raptors, 
and you say we're not doing keegan and i say well you are if you want og and like maybe the conversation dies but right. yeah i don't know really what uh what's uh what are the counters like what 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 else are you compiling to get og out of toronto right. what's that look like and this is where we get to um rashawn probably having to be the matching salary yep um and Rashawn has two years, 25 million remaining. I think he's been linked to Toronto before when he was in free agency and the year leading up to free agency. Um, and there were, that, that was a weird free agency, the way his agency went about that, that eventually got fired and he, he moved on to an additional one. I, I still think Rashawn, it, man. Oh, it was, was, it was weird. It was weird. I think that, uh, they thought they were going to get a way higher number than they did and scared people away, <clears throat> excuse me, saying the things they said and still ended up somehow with a deal that now we look back on and it's like, oh, well, this is a dump. You got to dump this deal, I guess. But I still think there's a player in there with Rashawn. Two years, $25 million remaining. I'm sure he's going to take that player option in the second year of that. Um, but from Toronto's perspective, you see Rashawn involved and it's like, okay, well, that takes even more assets for me to take on that deal i'd take it and then the other two things you throw in that the immediate standouts are davion mitchell who i think from sacramento's perspective i think there's a case to be made that he might not be able to reach the best version of himself in sacramento anyways if you think that there's starter potential there which i think is the question um and i may not believe but um, I think there's something interesting with Davion. There's pick 24. And then how many future first round picks do we have to talk about? Yeah. So the Raptors were trying to get three. They got offered three from New York, although they weren't the highest quality first round picks. And then any other conversation around OG has been kind of, I think the platonic ideal of his worth around the league is not the third overall pick that the Raptors wanted to draft Lamelo with, it isn't the seventh overall pick that, you know, Benedict Matherin went for. But I think a lot of teams are like, if we could trade the 10th or the 11th pick for OG, that would just be perfect. And the Raptors are like, that's not going to be enough. And I don't know, because the Kings would be very good if they got OG. Like, they're a buzzsaw already. You guys are going to win a lot of games next year, I suspect. And if OG was there, you'd win more games. And probably pay him to keep him. And then you guys would win a lot of games over the next few years. I don't expect that the first round picks would be super valuable, but I don't know. Well, they, they'd like... have to be a little out. So they owe one to 20 in 24 to Atlanta, right, which right. if they remove the restrictions on that, um, which I, they believe they can do pretty easily, it would make sense. They could just tell Atlanta, we, we're going to remove fully restrictions on that. So say it was pick 24 in this draft. And then, a 2026 and 2028 first if we could go top four protections sort of or if those need to be taken off then maybe mm. that's a conversation I, uh, Rashawn Davion and three first yeah one of them being 24 in this draft uh that probably that probably moves people I can't yeah. say yes or no to any. Like it, it doesn't right. matter if I say yes or no to anything. But I, that probably gets people moving and considering things. If I had to guess, I would think the same. And and then my follow up to you would be: What other teams stand out to you as potential landing spots? 
Um, Indiana's been floated around a lot. They have number seven once again. Um, Memphis has been floated around. But is, is there other packages that stand out to you? Because, you know, it's fun to talk about, like, just between Sacramento and Toronto conversations. But reality is that you're bidding against other teams in the league as well. Yeah. New York still wants him. Uh, Memphis still wants him. Uh, Indiana still wants him. He's one, especially those teams that like they have that hole on the wing and they're like, man, we have like these teams, all of them have these pretty great lead guards and they have like intriguing front court guys. And, you know, Jaron Jackson being like way more than intriguing and Miles Turner being more than intriguing. Julius Randle was a lot better last year than I think he's just better than most people think. These guys, these guys are good. They just need a guy in the wing. Um, I think that. Yeah, with those sort of deals, though, is there any like standout return piece to you? I'd I'd imagine Raptors fans and the front office would be like seven and healed is really nice if I had to guess. And seven and healed, I would imagine, is probably looked more fondly upon by the organization as well but seven and healed maybe like the pacers like there's no way you're getting seven and healed right so you know everybody's greedy all the time trying to get the best thing that sounds about right yeah well i'm uh pretty greedy from sacramento's perspective for og i love the idea of this fit um if key i you know i will say on the keegan stuff like it was reported that he won't be discussed in any of these deals i'm sure it doesn't take long to think back of Tyrese Albert not being discussed in any deals and, and shit changes fast. So you never know. Um, I would talk myself into it. I would be shocked, but I would talk myself into it and I would do everything I can to make it work with a Davion Keegan or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Davion or Sean Holmes and, and future first we're talking about, but before I started recording here with you, uh, you asked me if we were going to talk about OG and Siakam. Sure. And obviously, I fully plan to only talk about OG here. And I think there was a time last offseason I had you on to talk about Siakam and then made me feel like, damn, maybe I should have talked about OG more. And now we're sitting here in the opposite shoes. But do you think that Siakam should be talked about more from other teams' perspectives as somebody to to look at? Siakam is a guy who... He could be the piece that puts a team in in a relatively flat NBA. The right team gets Pascal. That could be what swings it for them. You know, he's he wasn't all NBA this year, but he's giving you roughly all NBA stuff for like three years, four years. That's a really good player in the NBA. The wing position for all NBA selections has been a little bit weaker than in, you know, maybe the first half of the front half of the decade, but still really impressive. That's a guy who, if the Kings were like, hey, we're not including Keegan, I just don't even think there's a phone call then. Um, right. It's it's tough to construct a trade where Siakam ends up in Sacramento, I think. Um, but it would be pretty cool. It'd be the, Sacramento just plays great basketball, man. Like a lot of players will be super cool there. You guys are in a good spot. I like the what, team a lot. What a time to be alive, man. What right. a time. Like being rumored to be a part of one of the teams Bradley Beal would waive his no trade clause for. I don't think that it that necessarily got close to him coming to Sacramento, but that is just an encouraging thing, man. When's the last time you've seen something like that? It's been a while. Um, Do you guys have any commenters who were like, hey, you know, like Malik Monk is better than Bradley Beal. Like, we'll just, it's fine. You know, I, 
people weren't too hot on the Bradley Beal idea, so I bet you there were some out there. Uh, sounds like you're looking for them, though. We, we, oh, we'll, man. we'll find you the right people. <laughs> we'll find you the right people. Uh, my other question to you before we get you out of here, Samson, is um, the coaching search. I want to touch on real quick. And Toronto ended up making their decision, did not go with Jordy Fernandez. But what was the perspective on Jordy um, from people in Toronto throughout that whole process? So I talked to Masai the other day, and he said they interviewed 15 guys. He talked about Sergio Scariolo as you know a favorite. Kenny Atkinson was a favorite. Masai and Kenny are very close. They like even just as not colleagues, but they spend time together. They're pals. Uh, Jordy was not mentioned as one, although the fan base was very interested in Jordy Fernandez. Um, a lot of people loved Jordy, and there's testimonials from people around the league who love Jordy. And when I said, "Hey, I'd really like Jordy," there's a few Kings fans and like Kings, you know, writers who are like. Hey, what do you think you're doing over there trying to take our guy? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. having people want your assistant coaches is a good thing. Now, the Raptors, it didn't turn out as good for them. It turns out that, you know, their head coach and assistant coaches were perhaps not, not deplorable uh, people, but they were uh, a little bit cancerous to organizations if we're talking about Nick and Nate Bjorkren, et cetera. But uh, having people want your assistant coaches is awesome. And Jordy, I hope that he gets a, a head coaching job somewhere someday. I just, it didn't end up being in Toronto. And Darko seems really uh, great. I've talked to him. He offered to do X's and O's with me. So he's actually the greatest coach of all time, in my <laughs> opinion. And, um, but yeah, Jordy was great. Everything I looked into regarding him, I thought was just everything that came back was awesome. So hell yeah to him in Sacramento still. Yeah. Jordy is one of the nicest people to, to talk to. Um, super willing to take a little bit of time and and talk to whoever um, I'm sure he'll eventually get another opportunity. This wasn't the first time that he's interviewed for a head coaching job. I know the Atlanta job, I think there was previous openings. I want to say the Washington he, he interviewed for as well a couple of years back. So I'm sure he'll end up getting another opportunity um, and it, it's well-deserved. I'm sure eventually we'll see that for Jordy, but yeah. I think that's all I got for you. Samson, I can't say how much I appreciate you coming on, man, and sharing your perspective. Yeah, I'll sign off by saying, who knows? Maybe Jordy didn't want the Toronto job because he wanted to stay in Sacramento with all you fine people. Maybe that's the sign off. That's got to be it. Got to be it. Um, but Samson Folk, everybody, um, definitely check out his work and check out all the great work as well at the king's herald from myself and the other guys at gals and take a look at their patreon to support local independent king's coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's bulls podcast please subscribe rate and review and you'll hear from me again next couple days